Greetings, cinephiles. Are you looking for a movie analysis podcast that stands above the rest? Then look no further than Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters. We analyze good movies, we analyze bad movies, and yes, we also analyze the in-betweens of the world of cinema. So if you like what you hear, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And yes, my friends, we are 420 friendly. So when you listen to us, smoke smoke it it if you've got got it. it. And now... Here's a new episode of Collateral Gaming. The show starts right now. I'm Zachary Gio. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Megan Gomez. And this is Collateral Gaming. Welcome to Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of gaming. Ash, Megan, how the fuck are we doing tonight, guys? <laughs> fucking great, we're, we're, man. We're hanging in there. Oh. Dude, I, I'm so fucking pumped to talk about this with you guys tonight. Um, it's just, it's been such a long time coming that I knew Ash and I were going to have this discussion, but to have Megan on here to talk about it as well... To have another opinion on this game just it it just makes my heart so happy um fun fact the game that we're going to be talking about tonight is the very first video game i ever laid my hands on as a kid and i'm super fucking stoked to talk about it because it means a lot to me um but we have a lot of news and stuff too uh the game awards happened did you guys tune into those we yeah. did. We were yakking it up on the freaking. We were like, "Bro, what's going on right now?" We we talked about it a little bit on the Spider Man Two episode, but yeah, that that the Game Awards okay. happened. <laughs> we they definitely yeah. did, and to be honest, I'm happy that Baldur's Gate Three won. Surprised that Spider Man Two get didn't get a single award, and oh, no. I'm actually very glad that Tears of the Kingdom didn't win. But what I yeah. am most happy about is Christopher Judge shitting on Modern Warfare 3. That is <laughs> yeah, that was great. one of the funniest things that has ever happened in the history of the Game Awards. Man, really just roasted them with one single joke. And I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, got- I wasn't surprised with like how Baldur's Gate did just because like Asarian is fucking viral on TikTok. And that man, I mean, the, the voice actor is just incredible. And like the whole series is, as, as a whole is great. So I was excited yeah. for them. The fact that they like stomped everybody at the gaming awards was insane. And then also the fact that Spider-Man didn't get anything when the previous time they released kind of made me feel a little bit of um what is what's the vindication because that's how what happened to me as a fan of fucking Horizon whenever Zelda got released. It was just bad timing, unfortunately. But Horizon you know, always has like, bad now timing. Y'all know how I fucking feel. They do, well, and I fucking hate that shit. I mean, bad timing. You could say that Alan Wake had like bad timing, or either either bad or good timing, because Alan Wake came in hot at the Game Awards, and it's been out for like what two months. Yeah, Alan Wake and Baldur's Gate stole like most of the awards, Um, which I've not played either. So all that tells me is, man, these games are got got to be really fucking good. So I'm going to have to try them out. I, I might start with Alan Wake 1, um, but I heard Baldur's Gate 3 is something that you can kind of just jump into. It's not connected to anything else. So um, well, I have the demo downloaded. I, I will never be jumping into that game because that kind of stuff does not interest me at all. 
But the only thing that interested me about it was Balder. That's it. Like, does that have anything to do with like Balder from God of War at all, or like Norse? Yeah. Norse mythology to be specific? Yeah. Does that have anything to do with that at all? Does it? I don't believe so. I have no idea. I didn't care enough about it to look it up. But you know, that's no, that's it's, beside it's the, the point. It's a D based game. It's like all D and D. Okay. Yeah. It well, and in high fantasy stuff, there's a lot of Norse references, like a lot of names uh, that yeah. are called callbacks to Norse mythology. That's just a common trope, to be honest. Um, yeah. Aragon, for yeah. instance, that series did it. Oh, Aragon, dude! You just unlocked a core memory that I forgot even existed. I know. I was like, wait, those books were so good. The movie was ass, though. I I only ever watched the movie, so that's the only thing I really had to base it on. But I mean, in other news, God of War Ragnarok got some free DLC, and that shit, dude. The the roguelike element, or is it roguelike or roguelite? Roguelite, I would say roguelike. It, yeah, roguelite. It means that it's not quite a roguelike, um, but it's similar to one. And for something like God of War, you wouldn't want to make it a straight-up roguelike. That would be weird. Um, well, I mean, if you made it as like a spinoff, maybe, but as DLC for a game, roguelite makes a lot more sense. Um, Last of Us also yeah. did a roguelite mode, but the difference between Naughty Dog and Santa Monica Studio, and I have a lot of love for Naughty Dog's games, but... Yeah, they are they like the the what's going on like as far as the way that they're putting out games like okay here's the difference God of War Ragnarok released its DLC uh, Shadow dropped it as a free update it's available mm -hmm. it was available uh, I think it was available a week after it was announced and it's completely free Santa Monica Studio on the other hand is adding their roguelite mode to a a remaster of The Last of Us Part Two, which costs forty or fifty bucks. So, Ash, I think yeah. you flipped around there, buddy. Um, Naughty Dog is doing that, not Santa Monica. That's what I said. Naughty mm -hmm. Dog is the one that's doing the that's doing the shit. Did I say the wrong thing? Oh well, yeah. I'm high. Yeah, you said you said Santa Monica. <laughs> I really did. But I understood what you meant. Okay, yeah, I did too. No, I meant Naughty <laughs> Dog. So yeah, no, Santa Monica released their shit for free. Uh, Naughty Dog. Uh, is forcing you to buy a 40 or $50 remaster of a game that came out of, like what, a couple years ago. <laughs> and honestly, you're yeah, not going to catch there's me. There's the remastered part one with like different parts of story that Neil wrote. And it's very, it's, it's strange. I don't know. The way they did the whole thing is just weird to me. And it's like, which one do you say is the canon canonic real one? Like, I, I don't know me personally. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, Naughty Dog has, feel. Naughty Dog has made five games in the last like six years, and they've all been The Last of Us Part One. <laughs> so I'm just, yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, but I mean, that being said, you guys kind of want to dive into the topic. Um, yeah. we're talking about The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages, a game released back in like 2001 for the Game Boy Color. And was it the Game Boy Color? Yes, yeah, the Game Boy Color. The Game Boy Color. That it came out for. And it wasn't even a Nintendo Zelda. It was the first Zelda developed by Capcom. And from our experience with, you know, the Minish Cap, we know that Capcom can make a bomb-ass fucking Zelda game, and it makes me super happy. 
Well, and like, we come on. just talked about Dino Crisis this season uh, in October, so uh, it's definitely fitting. And Resident Evil, for that matter. We talked about both of those franchises. So um, a lot of faith in, in Capcom as a company. Obviously, they put out um, a lot of, of uh, iconic series. Uh, fran- they're franchise builders is really what they are. I was surprised yeah. at how Zelda-like, uh, how Nintendo-like a Capcom-developed Zelda game is. Oh, yeah, dude. They did such an excellent job about of like mimicking the formula and making it just such a good experience to play. And to be honest, I love Oracle of Ages, Seasons, and the Minish Cap more than a lot of Zelda titles simply because of just how well they play, how fluid their stories are, and how easy they are to just have a good time with 100 percent um megan what's your experience with the uh with the oracle games um i played them a lot later in life um so (laughs) i and i played them briefly um just to kind of be like "Hmm, what else is there in this giant zelda universe it actually kind of started for me um when i looked at the uh complete history the um the zelda book i was like I never played that. So I was like, all right, I, I guess I'll check it out. And then I was like, uh, oh, it's not just a, I'll just check this out kind of thing. Oh, no. Oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> it's a full-fledged Zelda game. I mean, I'll be at a handheld one. Yeah. But it's about the, the size and scope of Link's Awakening. And uh, on, it actually borrows a lot of assets from Link's Awakening DX, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, like, just the Link's sprite. Yeah, yeah, but what was cool about the Oracle games was, and I didn't, I didn't play these uh, throughout my life. I have tried several times to play through these games, um, specifically Oracle of Ages, because I heard it was the one that was more puzzle focused. Um, and as of the recording, this I haven't, I haven't played Seasons yet. Um, I mean, I might have like jumped in for a few minutes at some point, but like, yeah, I'm saving that uh, my discussion of Seasons for for the next part, but. <clears throat> With uh, uh, Oracle of Ages, I mean, I'd gotten as far as, like, Rolling Ridge before, but yeah. for some reason, I just never finished the game. I think a lot, a big part of that was that for a while I was playing it on emulators, and then I would lose access to that emulator or uh, it stopped working, like GBA for iOS, which was the shit back in the day. Dude, don't remind me of that shit. That shit hurts, man. (laughs) I loved GBA for iOS. I thought that they did such a good job with that, and then Apple just fucking shit all over it. Well, and, you know, they're going to because it it is against their policy. I mean, it's like at some point, like like GBA for iOS was exploiting a loophole in the certificate. And at some point, that was going to get patched. Um, But, I mean, it's one of the arguments that people make that, you know, uh, you know, uh, one one of the advantages, for instance, I guess, of, of an Android phone is is that, an, or, uh, yeah, is that you can sideload apps, and that's not something that you can do on Apple systems because it's just not in line with their business model and what they're trying to to make. And I mean, I can't hate them for it because it's that's their business model, and I mean, their products are pretty fucking great. I have all Apple everything, and I'm happy with it. Um, for emulation needs, I mean, I have, uh, I'm able to play these games on my computer, but thankfully the Oracle games are actually available on Nintendo Switch. And I mean, call me a corporate shill or whatever, but I generally look for a, uh, for a legal, you know, way to play any of the games we do on the podcast. Um, emulation is kind of like a, 
you know, if, if I don't have any kind of legal way to play this, then I'm just going to emulate it. Or, you know, if it's just too difficult, like with, with the CDI. Um, yeah, dude, we don't even talk yeah. about Zelda CDI. <laughs> but, I'm talking about Bruno. But you're able to play uh, both of the Oracle games on uh, Nintendo Switch Online if you have the yearly membership. And to be honest, it's like a few bucks a year. So I pay for it, and I have access to just about, you know, specifically because of the podcast, it, it, it's it's enormously helpful. Same thing with PlayStation Plus's highest tier, which includes retro games. So yeah. um, you can play it, but you can also easily emulate this. It would not be difficult. It's a Game Boy Color game. Um, and, and I've done so before and uh, not noticed really any big differences between uh, playing this game on a, an emulator or playing this game on Nintendo's emulator. <laughs> yeah, um, to be honest, I've emulated most of like the smaller Zelda games recently instead of just like the last time I played Oracle of actually, no, the last time I played Oracle of Ages, it was on Nintendo Switch Online. But uh, pre- prior to that, ever since I had my Game Boy Color, I guess I guess for about mm, I'd say 15 years now I've emulated everything as far as like smaller Zeldas. I can't remember the last time I legally played the Minish Cap. Come get me it. Come get me FBI. That one is on uh, Nintendo Switch's GBA collection, I, I believe. Now, so. yes, I know, but the the Nintendo Switch GBA collection continues to piss me off because they won't add Zero Mission, and I refuse to fucking play it until they add Zero. Mission. It is odd that they don't that. have it because uh, they have Fusion. I'm assuming that we're going to get Zero Mission at some point. Um, Dude, Nintendos are cock tees, and you can't tell me any different. Why haven't we heard anything about Prime Four? We're not talking about that. Let's move on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was about to say I don't want to get drunk. upset right now, Zach. Let's move on. I'm a little drunk, <laughs> as you should be. Yeah, and I forgot to say that we are a 420 podcast, 420 friendly podcast. So whatever you have, smoke it if you got it. But I have wine, so I can't smoke that. <laughs> well, I've got myself a little J right here. I just finished. I mean, you could te- technically do like a wine tipped cigar. But... Okay, I actually have a cigar in my fuck in my glove box in my car that my father in law gave me. Don't tempt me. I'll do that shit. <laughs> or a bong or uh hookah with, with wine instead of water. <laughs> a cigar flavored bong rib. That would be the worst shit ever. Oh, oh, no, that Lord. would be terrible. God. <laughs> that would be the worst. Oh my god. Oh. But Oracle of Ages is a fantastic puzzle based Zelda. And I'm really yes. happy that we're finally getting a chance to talk about it because these games don't get enough love and they definitely don't get enough hype. Like, let's be real. They yeah. don't. Well, as compared to some of the other titular games, I feel like that's kind of just unfortunate name of the game there. You know, it, it yeah. shares that with the Minish Cap, the other Capcom developed mm-hmm. uh, a Zelda game. Uh, they both unfortunately came out at the end of their uh, respective consoles um, era. Cool. And so, yeah, the, these games have been kind of overlooked. But the Oracle games, to me, um, felt like they were always, you know, they're always mentioned. When you're talking about the timeline, when you're talking about the series as a whole, you know, the Oracle games are just, they're just kind of there. Um, they're not a mainline Zelda entry. You know, obviously, this is a uh, Game Boy Color game after the uh, Nintendo 64 Majora's Mask. But, and right, like right literally the year that the GBA was released, so, yeah, well, you don't hear about them a whole lot, but I haven't heard anything bad about them. And there are some Zelda games that I couldn't say uh, share that. 
So Tears of Kingdom. Oh. Sorry. No. <laughs> uh, what? That's flip. That's uh, Zach. Mind. All right, Megan, you, Megan, we actually, we haven't actually talked about this, Megan. I don't like Tears of the Kingdom that much. Why? All right, because, because it's Breath of the Wild with extra steps. They, they took six years to basically make the same game, except they added the sky, which has a bunch of island islands that are the exact fucking same. And they added the depths, which is the exact same fucking ecosystem and environment. And all you can really do down there is fight bosses. You've already killed and light up. Oh God. What are they? The light beacon. The light roots. There you go. Yeah. I feel like and, it's just a more complicated breath of the wild. And I didn't really get to talk about this cause I yeah, just bought it. But yeah, yeah we're I, supposed to be talking about Oracle of ages. And here I am yeah, sitting well, on an entirely different on a tangent. It's a podcast. No one's going to scream at us. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I liked it. I just feel like it's a more complicated, convoluted breath of the wild. The, the abilities are better, but speaking of abilities, Oracle of ages has some of the coolest items to me, in the Zelda franchise, a lot of people uh, focus hard on how Ocarina of Time, to them, is their favorite Zelda game. But for me, yeah. since Oracle of Ages was my favorite game, or my first Zelda game, I had no fucking clue what the hookshot was. All I knew about was the switch hook. I had no idea about bows and arrows and stuff like that. All I knew was I had a seed shooter or a slingshot. Oracle of Ages is very unique in the fact that it has its own Oracle of Ages and Seasons both do this because they're sister games, but they both have their own set of unique items. And I really appreciate that because it it just makes the game so much more in depth. And the dungeons in the game in oh sorry, the dungeons in Oracle of Ages directly correspond to whatever item you get, but they also make you use every item you've gotten so far. And I really appreciate that. And I didn't I took it for granted when I was a kid because I didn't quite understand what was happening. I it took me two years to beat Oracle of Ages the first time I played it because I didn't understand how the Zelda series worked. Man, it probably took me well over a decade to beat this game. <laughs> so to well, be I mean, fair. Yeah, but when when you started this playthrough, how long did it take you to actually get through it? Oh, like a couple days really. I mean, a few days, honestly, just to play yeah, through the entire game. Whenever I whenever I play through a new game, this game is very special to me for multiple reasons. It's my first Zelda game, and it got me hooked into the series, or hooked on the series. But also, whenever I play through a Zelda game, and or a puzzle game, or an action-adventure game, something that basically is 100% story-focused, like God of War Ragnarok, God of War, or, you know, Skyward Sword, Twilight Princess, or, you know, The Last of Us, and these games that focus so heavily on story... And they take me days, maybe a week to beat. I think about Oracle of Ages and how Oracle of Ages took me two years to get through and understand because I didn't know what I was doing. And it paved the way for me to fully understand and dive into story games or video games as a whole, because I didn't really have video games until one of the lunch ladies at my elementary school gave me a Game Boy Color and a Sega Dreamcast. Oh, the Sega no Dreamcast way. came with. Yeah, dude, for Valentine's Day. Um, I won't say her name. You see, you know, you know, I don't even know if she's still alive. Bless her heart. But for Valentine's Day, she loved our family. So she gave us a Sega Dreamcast with Sonic Adventure, Sonic Shuffle and Raymond Two: the Great Escape. Oh, and Namco Museum, uh, like the second version or something like that. Plus a Game Boy Color with Wario World and Oracle of Ages. 
And that was my introduction to video games. 100%. It's, it's really cool. And honestly, I think my dad would like to share in this story as well, because he and I beat the Grinch together, which is a game we'll talk about next time on collateral gaming. Yep. Um, he and I went all the way through the Grinch together. It took us a year and a half to beat it the first time, just because neither one of us were skilled at games at all. He's still not. I love him. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's Oracle of Ages. I have a very deep relationship with this game because playing Oracle of Ages, I knew it had a sister game, but I was a kid and I had no access to Oracle of Seasons. I had dreams about Oracle of Seasons because I wanted to play it so bad and I couldn't access it. I had the guidebook for Ages and Seasons. Half of the book was Ages, the other half was Seasons. And I used to read that guidebook every day. I would take it with me to school and just read the walkthroughs. And eventually when I got Seasons, it was a breeze because I had memorized essentially what those guys those guidebooks said. Yeah. And I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent. No, but that's good. This game means a lot to me. It really does. It's the it, puzzles, the dungeons, the essences, the story, me cutting off Ash when he's trying to say something. I'm very sorry. <laughs> continue, continue, brother. I, I was just going to say, I mean, I can see this as being um, nostalgic for a lot of people. In fact, it is for me because I did play this during my childhood. I just never finished it. Um but I can I can imagine, you know, and then there's a special relationship that you have with your first Zelda game. For me, that was The Wind Waker, something I've mentioned on the podcast before. But, you know, I I, I think that there there is something very intimate about specifically your first Zelda game. And I can see Oracle of Ages just being um like 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 a perfect uh a perfect yeah, a perfect example of that. A perfect like first Zelda game in a lot yeah. of ways because it's much more compact. It's got the charm of the Zelda series. It just not quite, it, you know, the length or uh the complexity uh that the console yeah. games have. And yet it is surprisingly complex. I got through the game very quickly, but I I can still remember uh, a lot of specific things about uh, a lot of the dungeons in this game. Uh, for instance, yep. the Mermaid Cave. That that dungeon is is fucking Ooh. awesome because you get to play it. It's basically the spirit temple of this game. You get to play it in both the past and the present. Absolutely. And the fact that doing one thing in a dungeon in one age unlocks the ability to do other things in the same dungeon in a different age. I think that that is a very complex idea that Capcom nailed with such a compact and small title. It's very quick. You know, you spend some time in the in the past, you go to the present to do stuff that you unlocked in the past, and then you go back to the past to fight the boss and gather the essence. So I think before we go any further, I need to just kind of go ahead and describe the main objective of this game. So... Link is dropped into the world of Labrina. Um, I think the intro of the game is him riding into Hyrule Castle and stumbling upon the Triforce. And the Triforce, I believe, gives him a quest to kind of test his ability as a hero. And so it drops him in Labrina, a land that's outside of Hyrule, and kind of gives him a quest, which is why they say accept our quest, hero, so that they can test and see if he truly is the hero of legend, worthy of aiding Princess Zelda and saving a land. 
And so you're dropped into just this random forest where you go and you meet the Oracle of Ages and her uh, friend slash, I guess, helper or servant. His name's Ralph. He's a he's a weird dude with a superiority complex and Ralph. really awesome music. That's Ralph my guy. is a G, dude. Ralph is a fucking G. He really is, man. And the big bad of the game, her name is Varen, Sorceress of Shadows, pops up, steals Nehru's power. And in order to save her, this game's great value version of the Deku tree, the Maku tree, <laughs> tells you that she has lost all of her memory because of Varen's powers. And you are supposed to collect the eight essences of time in order to help her collect her memories back so that you can save Nehru, defeat Varen, and rescue the whole land of Labrina from her evil power. It's such a quick and simple premise, but they execute it so fucking well. Yeah, I mean, the story isn't as complicated as Zelda's stories get, but even so, I felt like it has um, it has elements of that complexity still, uh, and and it's just it's actually just really well done. Now, I'll be interested to compare that to Oracle of Seasons, which is a little bit more action heavy, uh, and, and see if if you know how those story telling compares between the both of the games but I, I was genuinely impressed with it in oracle of ages uh there's even uh, a mid-game plot twist or really a late game plot twist that happens where you know you're talking about after dungeon six yeah yeah i mean not as not as you know you, you actually rescue uh Nehru pretty early you know you know well i mean it is after dungeon six so it's most the way through the game but it's not at the, at the very end of it um, and so whenever you rescue Nehru, uh, then uh, it seems like you've actually fixed the past and everything is good. But Varen comes back with a vengeance and she just takes over Queen Ambi instead. And, the queen um, comes with impeccable timing. Yeah. Not a huge plot twist. One of my twist. favorite lines. Yes. Not a huge plot twist, mind you, but it does have one. It does have that like mid-game twist that zelda games are known to have so that's something that breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom don't have mind you so (laughs) well you're right but i think i think tears of the kingdom did a better job of like that mid-game yeah impact with the whole castle sequence and fighting phantom ganon uh kind of realizing that that wasn't zelda it was just okay you're right playing games yeah it it Tears of the Kingdom did have one, yeah. But I think that's that's a late game twist because that happens after. Yeah. Well, so is all this. Sa- yeah. <laughs> so, the Breath of the Wild, you basically create the story uh, all on your own, and yeah. you just look at memories, and it's 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 painful. It's the, very the, painful. The but, big twist, which is that Link was dead for a hundred years. I mean that that's revealed in the opening moments of the game, basically. So dude, what sucks is that the whole premise is just unloaded on you when the first time you activate the tower and it's yeah. just the rest of the game feels like a chore. Okay. I'm done. I'm not going to get angry about it. The next Zelda game better slap or I'm going to cry. It will. I have faith in it. And t- for me t- I'm just gonna put it on record. I mean, choose the kingdom still slaps. I, I will say I did hit I did hit a, a lull, but then I beat the story and it revitalized my interest in the series. Lately, I've just kind of been too busy. But Tears of the Kingdom is one of the games I do actually come back to every once in a while because I want to finish it. So that well, that does say something. 
Tears of the Kingdom would have been the best game I've ever played in my life if Breath of the Wild never existed. Yeah. Is she going to go off on a limb and say that? Yeah. Because yeah. It, Tears of the Kingdom would have been one of the best games ever made if Breath of the Wild did not previously exist. Breath of the Wild is basically a beta for Tears of the Kingdom with its own personal story. And while I'm happy that they both exist, I would have been happier if Tears of the Kingdom was a solo, dolo, McBolo, tholo. Well, that I'm glad no that... Uh, like, if it was like a, a prequel or something. Yeah. I'm glad that your yeah. wife is experiencing it for the first time now. Yeah, yeah, and what's crazy is that she can go straight into Tears of the Kingdom, so Tears of the Kingdom is basically going to be a massive DLC to her, because that's what it is. That actually, that's actually ideal, because it's like, you know, it's like whenever, just when you think, you know, oh, I, I wanted to get more Breath of the Wild, there's a whole other game. I'm actually envious of yep. all the gamers that get to play both of them, um, and I do recommend that. You yeah, could, you could just play Tears, but if you play them both together, I think it's just like... It, you well, know, it's gonna yeah. Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is more exploration and discovery. While Tears of the Kingdom, yeah. you've already discovered and explored. Now it's time to create your own world via sandbox gameplay. And what's awesome is that yes, we're talking about Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild, but these games would not have been made possible without games like Oracle of Ages and Seasons and the other top-down games, other 3D games. Those Way games to bring paved, it back in. I love that segue. Those, those <laughs> games. In that lasso, sir. <laughs> Thank you. The uh, Those <laughs> games paved the way for what the Legend of Zelda series is now. And I'm sure the Zelda team already has an idea and they're already working on the next title. But imagine how difficult it was for them to truly rack their brains for what's coming after Tears of the Kingdom. Because you know that Tears of the Kingdom, alongside, like, let's say, Super Mario uh, Odyssey or Super Mario Wonder, uh, which I haven't played that yet, but I've heard it's good. Um, Super Mario Odyssey, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, these games are their masterpieces. And I'm willing to bet that Metroid Prime 4 is not going to be too far off of that. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet that Nintendo is giving their everything through Retro Studios for this game. You know Retro Studios can make a good Metroid game. So yeah. these older titles paved the way for these masterpieces. And I feel like Nintendo has been laying out this pathway for themselves the whole time through these companies creating just this one, like Nintendo has made it a point to say that Zelda is primarily a Zelda, or Zelda is a Zelda focused <laughs> title. Zelda is a puzzle focused title. Yeah. But what's funny is that the biggest Zelda games are pieces of a massive puzzle that Z that Nintendo has been trying to figure out for 37 years at what this point 100% and and you know excelling at that mind you but what's what's awesome is that you know bringing you know you mentioned Metroid Prime 4 and that's actually a good example to bring up cuz the Metroid Prime series is another example of Nintendo outsourcing and allowing another developer to work with the Zelda formula and we know that this works mm -hmm. i think that Nintendo did such a good job laying the framework for the series that people People understand what Zelda is, and another developer that you know should include a team of fans of the series it, it, it is going to be able to to replicate that. And you know, you know, like, and that applies to a lot of Nintendo franchises, but Zelda in yeah. particular, because you know how often I hear 
this game is like Zelda. This game is like Zelda. Yeah. And they almost always aren't really that much like Zelda. But, <laughs> you know, people can dream. You know what I mean, though? Everybody's always comparing it because we know we have an idea of what Zelda is. Mm hmm. Honestly, Oracle of Ages and Seasons did a really good job of laying out that direct path format. You're given an objective, you're given ways to do it and sources to use to make that happen, but it's really up to you to find your path. Because realistically, in Oracle of Ages, the mock or the Maku tree, yeah, the Maku tree. Also, look quick little segue. The Maku tree wants to fuck Link in this game. <laughs> Have you ever been fucked by a tree before? Dude, she's like, when I grow up, real. when I grow up, yeah, she she's going to give Link that wood. But ah. um, when I grow up, I'm going to marry you. There, I said it. That shit's too funny, bro. I mean, she just but she just it, decided for him. She, she's a little anime knows. girl. Like, she's like, I'm yeah, I was going to say, up. everybody is a simp for Link and it's fine. Everything is fine. Oh, yeah. No, Link in <laughs> his harem. I mean, Zelda might as well be an isekai. Yeah, dude. Honestly, I used to have the biggest crush on. I used to have the biggest crush on Nehru. And honestly, what made that happen was the music at the beginning of the game when she's singing to all the animals around the tree stump. That music used to entrance me, and I would fall in love with Nehru every single time because that that character, her character was like the first example I saw of an animated young woman, and like that, it it made me realize I was like, I like women. I like women a lot. <laughs> I, like <women. laughs> I like women. Fuck Mary Kill the Oracles. I I, yep. I, I would and say uh I'll kill them all. I would say fuck Din, Mary Nehru, kill Ferror. 
Yeah, who the fuck is Feral, yeah. the Oracle of Secrets, bro? Like, what are you doing? She's always inside the Maku tree, like, yeah, they're always inside me. You know? just think, okay, <laughs> well, and originally this game series was, um, you know, in fact, supposedly this was Miyamoto's idea. Um, flagship Capcom studio that was working on this game uh, had been working on uh, their Zelda title on the Game Boy Color for at least a year um, and then they eventually came to Miyamoto for help and he gave them the idea of doing a Triforce of games. So having one yep. game uh, based on power, one on wisdom and one on courage and Oracle of Ages is and has always been the wisdom side of that. Um, one of those trilogy of games was going to be a straight up remake of The Legend of Zelda. Elements of that made its way into Oracle of Seasons, something I'm sure we'll talk about in part two. But absolutely. And honestly, I wish we had gotten Oracle of Secrets because let's be real. That would have been the courage focused side of things. And that would have been Link's ability to solve puzzles. Everyone says that Oracle of Ages is the more puzzle focused game and comparing the two, it definitely is. But Oracle of Secrets, that game would have been a puzzle wonderland. Well, and I wish we would have gotten it. I don't know why we didn't. Originally, they were mystical seed of courage, wisdom, and power. And if I'm not mistaken, courage would have been the one that was a straight-up remake of The Legend of Zelda, whereas power would have still been the action-heavy one and, and wisdom, the, the puzzle-focused one. Uh, one thing about Oracle of Ages is that from that time of development to the infant end product, it didn't change. Uh, and, and so maybe that says something about it in comparison to Oracle of Seasons. We'll see. But... Uh, yeah, what was interesting about about that was that they were intending to have this linked game experience, which I'm sure we'll get into, but between three games. And it turned out that it was just way too fucking complicated. So they shortened it to two. And so the Oracle of Pussies. Secrets got shafted. Or yeah. Which sucks because let's be honest, that would have worked out so well if they had done it. I mean, it really could have. Now, I, I really, 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 really would love to see um, a remake of these games, like Link's Awakening style. And I've said that before. You know, it would be awesome. I'm not going to hold my breath. In fact, this is really just a fantasy. I know it would never happen. It would be awesome if they managed to, to bundle along an Oracle of Secrets with it, wouldn't I, it? <laughs> I wouldn't. Oh, yeah. they. Dev I don't know if that would ever happen. But I don't think they, it ever I would. Feel but like, I feel like the remakes are very possible. The remakes themselves are because literally just give it the Link's Awakening treatment. Didn't add a whole lot extra to the game, and that's okay. I mean, it was just I, it's just preserving the game in a better, you know, in a in a modern format. Yeah, and definitely use the power of the new Switch. Don't remake it on the current one because the Link's Awakening remake, while it was beautifully done, it had a lot of issues with frame rate and stability, and a lot of the areas struggled to load. Hmm. And while it was a very, very beautiful title and it was fun to play, I love the fact that they gave it the remake. It definitely deserved it. If they're going to go all out like that with the Oracle titles, give it, do it on the new hardware. Maybe that's what they're waiting for. I have a feeling that's what Metroid Prime 4 is waiting for, too. Dude, I yeah, swear exactly. to God, if they do a trailer for the new Nintendo console and Metroid Prime 4 is a launch title. Ash, I swear to fucking God, I will fly out there to Texas. Megan, you will come with me and we are going to go to that launch event together. Oh, okay. Dude, that, oh my God, that would be so awesome. Dude, for but real. If they, if they remake Oracle of Ages, two things that I want to happen with the Oracle remakes is that they need to give it a full-on remastered soundtrack. Like, 
the music in these games is very, very well done. And what doesn't need to happen is they do a baseline one track remastered uh, soundtrack system like they did with Link's Awakening. It was cool, but they had like one flute, one trumpet, like a drum, some instruments. And like the music was great, but it just wasn't fulfilling enough. I didn't like how empty most of the tracks felt. While they were better than the original music, I want the if they remaster the Oracle games, they need to give them that full remastered and reorchestrated treatment. If they don't, then I mean it's kind of a waste. But the graphics would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean it. It, it would be. I mean, I, I think that the best thing to do would be to fully orchestrate it, like they do with their console titles, mind you, the mainline games. So that that would be the ideal way to go. But what a lot of remakes and remasters do nowadays is they include the original tracks alongside um, e- with either the ability to switch in game or just a gallery to listen to it afterwards. And it would be perfect if they included the original chiptune tracks too, because let's be real. There is a certain, there's a certain charm to them, right? Absolutely. I mean, I- I'm all for reorchestrated music and, and nine times out of 10, I'm going to listen to the, the, you know, the fully orchestrated version but there is just a certain nostalgia. There's a certain charm sometimes to these chiptune soundtracks. I mean, uh, the Ace Attorney series is another example of that. Like, I'll go back and I'll listen to, like, the original versions of the tracks sometimes because there's just a certain feel. And Oracle of Ages is another game that I feel like I could do that with. Like, I could just listen to the soundtrack of this game um, because it's, it's so good, especially considering the hardware. I mean, I think... Dude, it, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, they really knocked it out of the park with the ability, that, with the hardware that they had, the power of the Game Boy Color. Oh, yeah, 100%. And you can tell that they benefited from uh, it being near the end of the Game Boy Color's life cycle. So these games take full advantage of the hardware, which is nice. Uh, and an Oracle of Ages is is um, 100%. Like, I noticed the game was smooth, it uh it, it it performed well now obviously i'm playing in a sanctioned emulator by nintendo but i think the game itself is kind of just preserved as it was so i noticed that yeah the game just for for something that came out in 2001 uh plays incredibly well very smooth uh no real issues uh as far as um you know just the gameplay goes Oh no, dude! That's that's one thing that was masterful about these older consoles. Before multiplayer and competitive natures came into, or a competitive nature came into video games, basically all of these games ran beautifully without problems. Like earlier Nintendo consoles hit everything out of the park. I never saw issues with Zelda games. Never saw issues with Metroid games. No problems in how they ran things. And there and- were no day one patches. Am I crazy? They just people just released finished games. No, none. I also Nothing feel like, like that. everybody was also like, I feel like everybody is also just so pushed to like release everything now, and the attention span is so much shorter than like how it used to be playing video games. Yes. We would wait years and be happy because we would play through the game six, seven, eight times and be like totally fine with it. Now it's like, mm, well, all right, it's time for the next one. And I feel like that's why we're in like the cycle of like having a new COD game every year by three different developers and having all these issues because it's like we they want that attention span. They want us to spend our money and forget about spending it so we can get the next game. You know what I mean? Honestly. Fuck Call of Duty. I play that shit every year and I hate it. It's my husband. 
on a real level. Yeah, I, I, that's like the experience of every COD player. Yeah, that that's what's funny. Like the last time that COD ever made a game, uh, like a game of the year award, uh, <laughs> it's been years, man. Oh God, what five plus? Yeah, at least right. But I, I will say, to be fair, games are a lot more massive than they used to be. Yeah, and the problem is, is that when a developer does take a lot of time on a game, we start to get impatient and we wonder but a big part of that also is that just like show us something like again back to metro prime 4 you know i i I understand that development is going to take a long time but show us something that shows that you're making some kind of progress that would be great give us sub news but nintendo like their thing is that they love to just show things when they're pretty much ready to go uh, they love to shadow drop shit. They love to just drop shit like a month after it's announced because they wait until the last second uh, in order to talk about these things. I mean, in, like the Oracle games, for instance, apparently had a pretty long li- uh, development life cycle for uh, a set of handheld games on the Game Boy Color mm-hmm. because uh, essentially Capcom was just trying to figure out what to do. And to my understanding, Nintendo eventually did step in and help with development um, in order to just kind of keep them, I guess, focused. But uh, flagship at Capcom gets the development credit. I mean, I think they did the majority of the work. And, And it's clear to me that whoever developed this game understands Zelda games. Oh, absolutely. At their core, you know, it, it, and, you know, I had another point too, and I I totally forgot about it. <laughs> oh no! I'm in. If it pops into your head, let me know. I'm I'm out of things to talk about because I mean we could get into the the nitty gritty of each and every yeah, like each and every area, environment, and dungeon. But honestly, the game is 22 fucking years old. It's easy to emulate, dude. Go try it out. It's so good. It's such a cute little adventure, and it's just something that will stick with you because of how well it plays and yeah, i'm very, very cozy game now i'm very honored to have that be my first video game ever because it brought me into a world of exploration and experimentation that i just would wouldn't want to let go of for anything i love the fact that i'm a gamer and it's because of oracle of ages that that happened i love the legend of zelda series and it's because of ages that that happened I remembered what I was going to say, actually. Um, It's actually, this is one of my only problems with the game. Um, It's grindy. It's, it's, there's a whole, uh, there's the whole RNG thing. You have to, and thankfully playing this game in 2023 with save states is going to be your savior here. Uh, Except for the fact that the save states also save the RNG state. So you have to know exactly where the RNG is, is determined. Um, but this game is very grindy if you're going for 100% completion. Now, I don't necessarily recommend that you need to. Um, I think we've discussed before that some Zelda games don't need to be completed. Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild, for instance. I, I don't think that it's necessary for everybody that calls themselves a fan of the game to get every Korok seed. Um, and I don't think it's it's necessary to enjoy Oracle of Ages and Seasons to get every ring in the game. But it's an additional challenge, and it's a reason to replay these games, um, which have an insane replayability, not only to the due to the fact that they're linked games, 
uh, and you play one and then you play the other as a continuation of it. But there's an additional new game plus called The Hero's Secret. And then you can play the games yep. in the reverse order that way. And so it's at that point that she might actually want to start going after, I think, all of the rings in the game and everything. But I, I do hate that if you're going for that completion, how grindy it is um, and how much it's determined by, by RNG <laughs> mechanics. <laughs> Absolutely. And to be honest, I'm I'm just... <laughs> I love the way that it plays so fluidly, how Oracle of Ages and Seasons play so fluidly into each other. And honestly, I'm pumped to talk about Seasons, but that's for next time. It is for next time. And I'll be going into it pretty much blind because I have not played very much, if any, of Seasons at all. One of the only gaps in my Zelda uh, history. I mean, mind you, there's Dude, there's very few Zelda games in, I haven't it. played and beat, but there are a few of them. <laughs> Yeah, dude, you need to hop into Seasons because that game's fun as hell. I have not it's, beat it's really good. Zelda 2. I have not beat, and this one is the one that's going to surprise a lot of people, and I've mentioned it before, I think, on our like Between Worlds episode, but I've not beat A Link to the Past, although I've played quite a bit of it. Um, let's see. Yeah. I, up up until, up until now, up until yesterday, in fact, I had not beat Oracle of Ages or Seasons. I've now beat Ages, and I will be finishing Seasons very soon. Um, the Minish Cap. I've played all the way up until like the basically the end of the game when you're going to go to the final dungeon, but it's just like, Hey, let's make sure that we go ahead. We clean up everything and do all the side quests. That that's where I stopped. Um, I'm trying to think, I think every other Zelda game I've, I've played and beat, but uh, technically I haven't 100% completed tears of the kingdom yet or breath of the wild for that matter. But <laughs> Oh yeah, brother. Well, you should, because it's definitely a worthwhile experience to do them. And honestly, I wish I could go back and play all these games again for the first time, but I know that that's not how it works. Right. You just you can't get that experience again. But if you're listening to this and you played Oracle of Ages or Seasons in, back in 2001 um, or at some other point, and it, you haven't picked it up since, it's a perfect time to get right into it. Like I said, this game is... Not difficult to emulate if you want to go that route, um, or you can emulate it on Nintendo hardware by with the Switch Online subscription, which I actually think is worth it for its value. But uh, I definitely wholeheartedly recommend these games. It's like twelve dollars for the whole year or something like that. It's it's cheap. What Nintendo Online? Stocking stuffer. Just saying, Christmas is coming up. I think it was like I thought it was like twenty bucks a year or something. Oh, I remember it being 12. I don't even... I, I'm just like, oh, hey, that came out. Come well, out. there's the expansion pack, too, which comes with... um, Which which w- you would need to play Game Boy Color games. But... That's um, true. But yeah, I, I, I 100% recommend playing through these games however you want to go about it because they're really gems. Um, It's a small, condensed Zelda experience that won't take up too much of your time. Uh, and Oracle of Ages is... um. It is definitely just it, it. It actually represents to me like the epitome of Zelda. It's puzzle focused. Um, I love the mechanic. I mean, we didn't even really get into the mechanic of traveling between the past and the present, but it was kind of like taking um, what a link to the past and Ocarina of Time did uh, with with you know like a two world system um, and really focusing on it, honing in on it. Um, cause Ocarina of Time had the, the mechanic of being able to switch between the past and the present, um, or the young, the child era and the adult era, but it wasn't as big of a focus as 
that is here between traveling to the past of Labrina and, and the, the current age and, and the whole, I mean, we talked about how even in like a dungeon, you can make changes in the past that affect the present. And, and so, you know, I really love that they went all in and this game pays as much, uh, focus to that as a link to the past did with the light and dark world system um even down to the mechanics working fairly similarly like you start out with being able to just uh teleport you know using portals and so only going where the game needs you to go uh when it needs you to via the tune of echoes but then once you get to symmetry city then you can um you then learn the tune of currents, which allows you to instantly warp to the present only wherever you're at, but leave a portal behind where you're at. And that works pretty much just like the mechanic did at the beginning of a link to the past when you first get into the dark world. Uh, and then later yeah. on in the game, being able to just freely switch between the past and the present, which opens up a lot of the world um, with the uh, tune of echoes or the tune of ages. Absolutely. I, I, I just like the whole a harp of ages mechanic in the game. It just kind of brings a it brings a life to like musical instruments in top down Zeldas that we hadn't seen so far. You know, basically you had the uh Ocarina in a link to the past that just allowed you to warp somewhere, but now you've got a whole manipulation of time aspect with this harp and it's incredible it makes for really fun puzzles it makes for a quick traversal and it makes for you don't just have one set of warp points to use with the gale seeds but you also have two you i mean you have two sets of warp points one's in the past and one's in the present and to be honest some of those are the same but it's really cool to look at the unique the uniqueness of the past and the present yeah, which is separated by what, like a hundred years? It, it's kind of ridiculous that it changes as much as it does, but I think it's a hundred years. Yeah, but I mean that that's pretty typical in Zelda canon anyway. I mean the geography of Hyrule drastically changes in the span of a few hundred years every game. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love how <clears throat> there are basically two worlds to explore in this game that are pretty an 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 analogous to the dark and light world um, or Hyrule and low roll, right? So, I mean, they're similar, but different enough that it does feel like two different maps. Although my one of my other only gripes about this game is that in a non-linked game, you cannot complete the present map. There's one square on the map that you can't get to unless you're in a linked game, and I'm so pissed. The completionist in me is just, is just, is just seething. But then again, there's a whole completion experience by completing both linked games. So you essentially have to play through these two games a total of four times to 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 each in order to do everything. And it's worth it because they're they're fun. If you've only experienced if you've never experienced it, it's definitely worth it to run through it twice. Yeah. And you basically get to experience both games as um, non-linked and as linked games. Uh, and it, the game even has a new game plus. So you could say it was ahead of its time with that. Oh, absolutely. It was 100% ahead of its time. But yeah, I guess, you know, we'll go ahead and we'll get into our final thoughts here. Um, Megan, what are your final thoughts on Oracle of Ages? Um, it's it's very much a, I feel like it's a must play if you're, even if you're like a beginning Zelda fan. Um, 
And like y'all said, it's readily available on the, on the Switch and it's on the Nintendo Switch Online. So it's not like it's hard to come by. Um, so I think it's it's a good game to play if you're wanting something for just like an afternoon play or maybe even a palate cleanser in between other games. And I don't mean that in a light way. I just mean in the, in, in the fact of how it's a puzzle-based game as compared to Seasons. Um, and, you know, it's it's a good tie-in to other Zelda series, especially if you want to be all canonical and all of that. Um, it's It's a good overall play. Hell yeah. And um, oh, yeah, dude. Zach, what are what are your final thoughts on um the game? <laughs> um I think it's one of my I think it's one of my favorite games of all time. I think it got me into not only uh an amazing series of video games that have changed my life for the better. I think it is a very fun, unique a wonderful experience full of childlike wonder and discovery i think that it is a very unique straightforward and lovely experience um it's ahead of its time as far as you know older games are considered and i definitely think it's a worthwhile play um i'm a little bit biased because i have a lot of you know, just straight up nostalgia attached to this game. It's one of my favorite games ever. It's the first video game I ever played. I love it so much. And I definitely give it a solid, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. I love it. It's a great game. I've, I've, I've beaten it no less than 45 times. And that's not an exaggeration. I, I got to a point where I timed, I timed myself playing it. And I think the quickest time I ever beat it was five and a half hours. Just going straight through it. Not bad, man. That's fucking awesome. Um, yeah, as for me, I think that Oracle of Ages is a snapshot of the Zelda experience. It really is. It, it's everything that you're looking for. It's even a good introductory game, mind you, because it's it's a little bit simpler, um, a little bit more compact, and it's accessible. And yet it still has that that quality to it that you'd expect out of any Zelda game. So hats off to Capcom for being able to make a fucking Zelda game. Uh, hats off to Nintendo for allowing it. Nintendo, do more of this. Let other studios take over and do some of these in-between games. I mean, I know that they are with Absolutely. The, the remakes and the remasters, I think, is kind of the equivalent of that now to handheld Zelda entries. That and spinoffs like Hyrule Warriors. And in those cases, with, with the remakes... Um, I think Grezzo has done most of them, if not all of them. And obviously, you know, Koei in charge of uh, the Dynasty Warrior stuff. Or or Koei's the publisher. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think. But either way. Um, yeah, I mean, Nintendo, I definitely encourage them to do that more. I'd say um, let's get a remake of both of these games as a packaged experience. Um, you won't have to deal with the password system that way. You won't have to worry about hooking your consoles together with a linked cable. You can just have, you know, the, the game save data, remember which game you played first and go from there. Um, so they could definitely streamline the whole thing. But in addition to that, I think that Nintendo should allow Capcom or some other third party uh, developer to develop another Zelda game, like a, a new Zelda game. Uh, not a remake or a remaster of an existing one, not a spinoff, but like a full-on, full-fledged Zelda game, like Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons. I mean, God knows we wait long enough between the first party developed mainline Zelda entries. So 
what's wrong with doing another new Zelda experience, but through the lens of another developer? I mean, obviously, they're still allowing Retro to take over the Metroid side of things. So that's because Metroid has proven themselves as a worthy you know, creator. And I think Mercury steam has kind of done that as well. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Mercury steam, I yeah. think for future for future top down Zelda, Yeah. Mercury, Mercury steam. Did I mess they, that up? Sorry. Yeah, no, you got it right. I'm just saying them as well, because they not only remade uh, Metroid two, but Metroid dread, which I still consider to be the best 2d Metroid game was developed by them. So, or co-developed. I'm not sure how much Nintendo was involved, but Yeah. Yeah, no, they're worthy of mention too for that reason, as being a developer of an independent game in Nintendo in a Nintendo franchise. So um I don't think flagship the flagship studio exists anymore, but if Capcom is interested in doing more Zelda stuff, I'd be here for it. Um <laughs> maybe just not do it at the end of a of a hardware's life cycle. That way that's not just like Absolutely. overlooked. <laughs> yeah, give us something brand new at the beginning of the switch to the next console absolutely yeah dude but i mean i think that pretty much sums it up for you know ages uh the next time we get together we're probably going to talk about seasons i know ash and i are going to get together uh this time tomorrow at the time of recording and talk about how the grinch stole christmas but yes um dude we are on the jim carrey version the, the no, video no, no, game no. Like, based on the Jim Carrey. The video version. game for the, the game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. It's okay. so good. It is so good. And I mean, honestly, you could check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you guys listen to your podcasts. We are there. Um, it's always a good time getting together. I, Megan, I feel like you and I haven't been on an episode together in forever. And oh, honestly, I know. you need to come back for seasons. I think it was Star Wars yeah. was the last time when we did yeah. Je- Jedi no Survivor. Way. Survivor. No I'm actually about really? to play through that game again, to be honest. I need to still finish that game. I sadly had to delete it to make room for God of War Ragnarok. It's not great. It's not great. It's 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 okay. It's okay. It's just it's nowhere near as good as the first game. Mind you, I just found just out not- that any PS5 game that you've downloaded, that you've purchased digitally, you can um you can stream if you delete it. So I've I've I, apparently that's a thing. So that should include uh, Jedi Survivor because um, God of War Ragnarok launched on both the PS4 and the PS5. So and so did Jedi Survivor. So I, if anything, I should be able to stream it and finish it sometime. I like it so far. I have no complaints. I think it improves on everything the first game did. But we already talked about that yeah, game. We I have a whole episode so. about it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, I, I, like I enjoyed it and I loved playing it all the way through, but um, it just okay, didn't hit me like baby. the first game didn't. It just didn't hit me like fair. the first game. Fair, did. fair enough. I'll it, have to finish it. Alan and I with a big sense of nostalgia and then excitement, and then we just played through the whole game. We we're like, "This is pretty awesome." <laughs> yeah, the beginning of the game is fire, but I mean, you know what? But I think, I think that about sums it up. You guys have any other thoughts before we get out of here? No. So, mm-hmm. yep. Stay tuned for part two, Warcliffe Seasons, and our uh, holiday special on the Grinch by Christmas. Um, and then we should have the seasons episode out by the end of the month, most likely. Maybe bleeding into January, it happens. Um, expect uh, some kind of holiday edition of the bonus round as well uh, by the end of the month, if if, if we can. Um, I think that we're doing Angry Video Game Nerd 
from here on for that. So we're going to, uh, yeah. the plan right now currently is to do our, um, fav- top five favorite angry video game nerd season two episodes. Cause we did season one last year. So stick around for that. And then, um, sometime probably, um, on or after the new year i'd love to do a year in review episode just covering any of the games that came out this year that we didn't get a chance to do an episode on um i you know and then it, it doesn't have to be all of us have to have played every game but i'm gonna go if i can check out Baldur's gate 3 at least play the demo um and and just kind of try everything out that came this year there's a few games that i bought with the intention of doing an episode on but didn't so uh street fighter 6 um uh, uh, I just played Super Mario RPG and Persona 5 Tactica, uh, intending to do an episode on them, but didn't. So, uh, Naruto Storm Connections, uh, <laughs> there was a fuck ton of, of fantastic games that came out this year. The Dead Space remake, Hogwarts Legacy, if you're interested in that. Um, so, so many games came out in 2023 that were a big deal. So, well, I mean, we're definitely going to be getting uh, back together tomorrow night to record the Grinch. And uh, we'll come back next time for part two with Oracle of Seasons. But I guess for now, we can kind of call it quits. So with that being said, I'm Zachary Gio. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Megan Gomez. This has been Collateral Gaming. You guys have a wonderful and very Merry Christmas. And we are out. Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.